Hello, thanks for watching or listening to VIP Boxing Bell to Bell episode 127. If you're watching on YouTube, please leave a review and great if you're what you're listening on Spotify or iTunes. You know me, Steve Lillis, and you know John Evans, who's just accused me of saying good too much. And tonight, we've got a really good guest. It's a top commentator, voice of boxing, all-round good fella, and a, more, more important than his ability to call a fight well is his knowledge of boxing. He knows the sport. Andy Clark. Andy, thank you very much for joining no, us a again. Pleasure. Always a pleasure. So tell us, Andy, what have you got coming up in the diary? Where are we going to hear your dulcet songs? I heard you on Talk Sport the other night, and all that was really good. A lot better than what Talk Sport is for a lot of stuff. Football, boxing, it's all yell, 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 shout, shout, shout. It was excellent. But what else you got coming up? So I'm doing something this weekend um, called the Box Off. Um, some guys have put together this tournament, a city-based thing. So Leeds, Birmingham, uh, Manchester and London. Um and it's four round fights, so it's it's each match is five four round fights. So there's two semi-finals going into a final later in the year. It's a good idea, you know. They've 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 put a lot of thought behind it. They're not trying to walk before they can, not trying to run before they can walk. Um, and what they're looking to do is give opportunities to fighters who are good but can't sell tickets. Yeah, and we've all seen loads of them. Um, so yeah, I, I'm all for it. Uh, hopefully, we kind of do it this time around, kind of prove the concept and all that sort of thing, and then maybe. Maybe someone will pick it up next year. But uh, yeah, Johnny's Johnny's team captain, Johnny Nelson, Ricky Hatton's another one. Uh, JK in Birmingham, who's, who's got McCracken's gym. Uh, Tom Skinner, who's got the Bosch gym in Romford, just down the road from me. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking yeah, forward to that. I think there's a couple of VIP boxers on there. I think Jake Goodwin's, yeah, I think, Jake Goodwin's yeah. fighting, not Owen Kirk, is it Owen Kirk? Reese Woods, who, who drew with, yeah. Reese Woods are fighting each other, and I think there might be another fight of VIP fighter. I know he's got two or three in there. Yeah, I mean it's it's absolutely it's, it's ripe for you know a stable like Steve's or or you know John Peggs or Carl Greaves or Steffi Ball. You know guys like that have got good fighters. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens with it. And then the week after that, I'm at, um, uh, Zhang Joyce. So yeah, yeah, I'm quite looking forward to that. That that to see if he can turn that around. My, yeah, my well, little dark horse in that to, to look really good in that tournament is uh, Daryl Tapfuma. Yeah. He's always uh, in yeah. the way corner. He, right. he loses a lot, but Daryl's good. He's a good I, fighter, mate. If Daryl goes in the home corner, he, he, he might turn a couple over. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I, I saw him at um, Martin Bowers has been doing these shows at the Peacock, and I've not been able Saturday kind of afternoon shows, five fights uh, in the old gym because um, the pros have moved out to Epping. Um, I've not been to as many as I wanted to, but I went to the second one and he was on that and he won. That's the um, one. It was his first win. Yeah. 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 He was good. Yeah. I've not really seen him much, but he was in with this lad who kind of obviously sold a few tickets, but in the first round, you could see that, that when he threw his right hand, he kind of pulled out quite high uh, and you could see that he'd seen it and, and you could almost, you knew what was coming in the next round and he just took him, he just took him out. Yeah. Good um, five. I mean, that's yeah, a good shout good. of yours there, John. Good yeah, fighter. Anyway, We'll, we'll we'll press on. Have you got your clock and everything, John, and all what your all your all tools of tools of a trade. Tools of like, the trade. Like my, end, like my end swell and my adrenaline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your your bell, um, but I don't. You don't earn as much as this as the two hundred and fifty quid a boxing border control timekeeper gets for a night's work. <laughs> two hundred and fifty quid to ring a bell. Here you just have listen to me talk nonsense. At least you can listen to Andy. But have you got your bell ready, John? 
All ready to go. Well, you start us, John, and uh, everyone avoiding Shakur, the latest the other day, to avoid him. Yeah, the latest person to avoid Shakur is Frank Martin. And when that when the Frank Martin Stevenson fight got announced for a WBC title, I was it was one of those that came out of nowhere, and I was pleasantly surprised because I didn't think Martin would ever take that. Um, well, that surprise lasted about 24 hours, didn't it? Because he, he didn't fancy it and pulled out. And I, I feel a bit sorry for Shakur, really. Um, I, I think he's one of a few people in the sport who would genuinely fight anybody. I think he, he believes in himself. He's got the ability. He's got that personality, bit of cockiness and arrogance, and he can live up to it. But we're not seeing him in the fights that can show just how good he is, because I, I think he could go right up there with Crawford and Inoue as being the best in the world. And I, I just wonder how these fights are going to be made. Will we ever see Shakur against Tank or Shakur against Ryan Garcia? Are we going to see it? The lightweight's so good, but Shakur just seems out on a little island on his own. It doesn't seem like Lomachenko's particularly keen. Cambosis doesn't seem particularly keen. Maxi used a jump at the chance, but will Maxi show us how good Shakur is? And I, I just hope something can be done without him having to jump up too high in weight to prove how good he is. Andy. Yeah, that, that is a problem, isn't it? Because people are kind of fleeing the lightweight division a little bit. I can see why Lomachenko wouldn't want to fight him because at this yeah. stage of his career, Lomachenko he just wants to fight people for titles. All he wants is that rematch with Haney. But Haney's boxing pro grey, isn't he? Up at super light. Tiafimo's up at super light. Javante Davis is the fight, isn't it? But oh. whether you can get that made or not is another matter. But he, he does seem to have arrived in that division, which was the place to be at exactly the wrong time. And, and I think it's partly that and partly the fact that it's turned out to be exactly the wrong time because he's arrived and the others, you know, have decided that there are some some better options. So, yeah, I know I see what you mean. There's not that many people who are going to be queuing up to fight him. There's not all that much in it for you, really, is there? No, I think you hit the nail on the edge. On people like Maxi Hughes would jump at the charge, but what does it mean at the box office for... T, you know, TV, well, you know, in America. Um, you know what? You can understand why Shakur's accusing fight. He, he, he's obviously getting quite, you know, it's insecure. What he thinks he's being frozen out of boxing, doesn't he? I mean, I was laughing last month. I think Cambosis was calling him out on social media. Well, fight him. Why don't Cambosis just say, I'd love to fight you, but I want to get this IBF title fight again, which I'm going to get. He's got his world title fight. Guaranteed. So why call him out? And and you've got no intention of having it because you've got an IBF. It's just what the what well, the game but, is. And but you know what? I want to be a bit more positive and and hope that I, mean, I believe the fight with Davis might take place. What will take yeah. place? I'm, I'm gonna be a bit braver than you two and go for well, it. That'd be great. Year. I hope so. Well, Cambosis didn't want to fight him when Shakur put it on his toes face to face, did he? Shoot. Cambosis couldn't have wanted anything less. Yeah. Than that. So <laughs> I, I it's just funny. Cambosis was having a pop at him on Instagram or Twitter, one or the other. And uh, I'm thinking, well, you're having a go, but you've got an IBF fight. You're not going to say to Lou DeBella, oh, I'll tell you what, Lou, forget that. I'm going to go and get decapitated by him for a few million, you know. <laughs> but there you go, anyway. Um, I, I think we're over out of time there, John, are we? Yeah, carry yeah, on. Round two. I'll tell you what, Ben Eubank, you know, I've been dithering with this since it, it, I'm sure it's going to happen now somewhere. Someone will put this on in, in December, whether it's here or not. I don't know. I mean, in an ideal world, I don't think it should be going on until everything's cleared up with Ben with the board and everything. But 
I was thinking about the weekend. I've it's a fight you're still going to watch, even though you, you, your question marks over it. It is now. Is it the how is it the the big how big is this fight now? It's British boxing to take place, even if it's got a cloud over it or not. I still think it would do ridiculous figures pay per view, even maybe such the million mark in this country. Yeah, go on, Andy. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's it's. I think we all we're probably all on the same page when it comes to the situation with Ben being deeply unsatisfactory and how it's been deeply unsatisfactory all the way through. Um, I, I'm not going to pretend to know what's going to happen next. I know what um, what has happened with with the board and and um, uh, DNADP and and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know what the next the next step is. Let's just assume that, as you say, somebody puts it on and it does happen somewhere. Yeah, I think it's huge. Uh, I think it's huge. I think it's bigger than it was the first time around yeah. because oh. of all the publicity. Um, without a doubt, it's bigger now than it than it was before. Um, what interests me about it is that the, the dynamic will just flip completely, won't it? Because the first time, Ben was, you know, the good guy, the wholesome star on the rise. Eubank was Eubank. Whereas now, ben, Ben's the bad guy. Uh, and Eubank, off the back of his, you know, sensational kind of turning around of the situation against Liam Smith, I just wonder whether whether Eubank now can't, as some fighters can towards the end of their career, go from being unpopular to being embraced a bit more. Because, like he says, he he doesn't cheat, he doesn't do this, he doesn't do that, he he doesn't get pictured falling out of clubs. He's a professional, he's dedicated, you know, but he's still the bad guy. You know, figure that out, as he said before the last fight. So, Eubank for people's champion is what uh, I'm saying. That's a, Yeah, uh, I, I think he is becoming a people's champion. I think, you know, he lives the life. I never, you know, I think I've said on here before, um, um, he was Sebastian, his late brother, wasn't it? Um, when I went to Brighton for the first time for Box Nation, Sebastian was in the gym hitting a bag. And he goes, oh, you know, me, it's not my life, be all and end all boxing. And then Chris Jr. come and he said him, that's all he thinks about, all he ever wants to do is box every day. And that, that says it all. So I think for that alone, he deserves some sort of, uh, you know, respect for what, what he's doing for the sport in that way, you know, by living it. John? Oh, don't worry. We spoke about that enough over the, over the past few months, haven't we? Go on, just yeah. carry on. This is the topic of the year. This is one. Josh Taylor versus Florian Marco. The idea of Mr. Andy Clark. Well, I can't claim sole uh, responsibility for it. George suggested that George Groves after um, Florian Marco's one-round win the other night in, in Birmingham. And people kind of gave him some grief for it. But I looked at it and I thought about it. And I thought, I am bang up for that. Because Josh is moving up to welterweight. You know, he lost to Tiafimo Lopez. He's been really in inactive. What he needs when he moves up in weight is he needs a fight, a fight he's going to win. He needs a fight he's going to win. But what he needs is something that he can get up for so that he can look good, train hard, do all that kind of stuff if we're going to see a kind of, you know, second lease of life for him at, at 147. And I think a fight against Florian Marku will do that because he's Florian is just, he's a lunatic. You know, he will get under... Josh's skin, he will say all sorts of stuff. And I know what Josh Taylor's fans will say, and 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 you know, Joe and Declan and, and Josh himself, they'll just say, We're levels above him. He's not you are. So just fight him and beat him then. You know, why not? You know, you, you need a fight that you can win, but I do think they, they need a fight that they can get up for. Why not fight Flory Marku? You know, what else are you gonna do? Who else can you get who's gonna be who's gonna be kind of more marketable? Um, and a fight that people would want to watch 
more than that. Yeah, you sold it pretty well. The idea of it, I just think it's it's an utter mismatch. I think the build up will be <laughs> fantastic. I think there will be it would guarantee they'd both be on a ball charge. Uh, and boy, I'm not <laughs> sure. I'm not sure Mark who fights under a British license actually, but Josh would certainly be up before the board. And <laughs> I think the fight will be a brutal, a one-sided, brutal beatdown. Uh, Mark, who is a lunatic, there's a story. I didn't know it was said at a press conference. I didn't know it. John was telling me today that um, Dylan Moran brought it up at the press conference. And I've, I heard this a few weeks ago. He was firing with a box we're going to talk about later on, Levi Barnes. Uh, it didn't go his way. And when it didn't go his way, each offered him out in the car park in Sheffield. Yeah. So that tells you all I need to know about him, that, about him as a fighter. I don't like that sort of thing. John? I, I, I agree with Andy, you know. Um, why nah. shouldn't Taylor take it? Why not? It, when you look at the great fighters in the past, Chavez used to knock people over in Mexico in mismatches to keep busy and keep earning money. If someone offers Josh Taylor, I'm assuming more than a quarter of a million quid for fighting Florian Marco on a Saturday night, why wouldn't you take it while you wait for something big? It, I think it would be a, a phenomenal build-up. I'd love that. There'd be nastiness and bite. Mark, who's going to take his brain out and go hell for leather. You're going to see if Taylor has still got that nastiness and willing to fight in him. If he does, he's going to look spectacular and it builds up a fight at welterweight. Yeah, let, let's have Mark and Taylor. I'll tell you what, Taylor has still got a Good nastiness. Man, he would have the nastiness taking us three on one at a time. Oh, he's, a, he's a nasty, nasty man. I, I, I don't mean that in a bad way. He would fight well. anybody. And he would what, love it. Once he actually it... signed the contract and he came face to face with Mark, who I think Taylor would get his teeth right into that. Yeah, me too. That's exactly yeah. it. I, I, and, and, you know, he does. This next fight for him, he has to win, doesn't he? He has yeah. to win. And that welterweight division is difficult. You're not going to charge straight in with Jaron Ennis or something like that. You know, that, that wouldn't be shrewd. So he's got to win um, and rather stick it on undercard somewhere where you get some, you know, an overseas fighter in who no one really knows, get it top of the bill, yeah. pack out Meadowbank or wherever against Florian Marku, you know, have a wild old night. You know, <laughs> why, you're, he's already, booking, you're, you're already booking your hotel in Glasgow, Andy. You're going to be there. You're on the phone to the Sky people who book your hotels. We're going to make sure I'm there all week. I don't want to come on the Thursday. I want to be there all week. I, I think I'd need to be there all week, yeah. yeah to do a proper yeah. job, I'd need to be there all week. <laughs> and if, oh. it Taylor, and he, if it is easy for Taylor and he just puts a, does a number on him, then you can get him oh. back out two months later and get some momentum going. Josh hasn't been fighting regularly enough, so That's it. yeah, let's let's get it made. Right. Okay, round four. Um, but John, you want to talk about, you know, backward steps. Is it a step backward to move the smaller venues to smaller <laughs> venues rather than the half-empty arenas? Yeah. Um, I think we all, we can all agree. I, I, I think the sport's struggling a little bit at the moment. The attendances are down, aren't they? The shows aren't as good. Fans aren't buying tickets for anything like they were doing three years ago. Um, big stadium shows always do well, but the, the run-of-the-mill Saturday nights, they're not doing seven or 8,000 at the, the big arenas anymore. I've seen big curtains, um, lots of court, uh, partitioned off seats. And I was thinking back to the... Not the old dreaded days of Huddersfield Leisure Centre yeah. and not those days with Green Bank. Um, the days when we had Paul Ingle in Hull, um, where it was a real raucous atmosphere of three and a half thousand people packed into a little venue. I think it looks better on TV. It's a better atmosphere for the fighters. 
rather than the camera trying to hide empty seats. And while we're waiting for this next batch of headliners to come through, rather than catapulting them straight into arenas on Saturday night, expecting them to sell 8,000 tickets, let them build up the following in these medium-sized arenas. And when they're ready, the good ones will naturally progress to being top of the bill in arenas. But I just wonder, is it a backward step? Is it what boxing needs? No, I don't, I don't think it's a backward no. step at all. I think it's, I think it's, it's, I think it's what you should do because if you look at the fighters that I'm covering on Sky, you know they are looking to take Callum Simpson to Barnsley, William yeah. Smith, Dunn, Bournemouth, um, Whitaker. I know there are plans for Wolverhampton, that that kind of stuff. You yeah. know, it's pack out a small arena, Caroline yeah. Dubois at York Hall, Azim at York Hall. It it looks better on TV, and I think it just makes everything seem a bit bigger. Um, it, it gives it a bit more momentum. Weirdly, I think the argument against it has been that. Oh, if you put it in a re- in an arena, it seems bigger, but I just no. don't really agree with no. that. I don't. I don't think it does. A half empty arena. I don't think it does anyone any favors. Yeah, you know what? I couldn't agree more with, with both of you there. I was thinking Saturday night, Steve Wood's got a really good thing going in Blackpool. Suddenly, really good. The crowd there was incredible the other night. One guy done about fifteen thousand pounds of tickets. Another done ten grand's worth. And that place, Blackpool Winter Gardens. I think Sky may have been there for Brian Rose before. May have been there. Um, that place is the best venue for boxing in Britain that I've been to. When it's you could you got obviously Steve has all the downstairs which holds a couple thousand, but you got the balcony above it. I can't believe that for one of these shows that Sky Wasserman or Frank Warren haven't been to that venue for something. It's absolutely amazing, the best venue, and the two shows that VIP have had there, he's packed them in downstairs there because there's been good talent. It's worked. I mean. I'm I'm pleased for Steve at VIP because you know it's been a he admit himself he's he's lost money on, on shows this year and he's gone there twice and it's really working there and venues like that are brilliant but as you say John the one thing I don't want is a return to these days of you know where a promoter will pay a grand for a leisure centre and the camera would just it couldn't do nothing to hide where you are because you'll be seeing a basketball net or whatever they call it. yeah you know it's under half the crowd it's yeah. Are the camera going showing them warming up in a squash court? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. You can't can't go. look. Then they they they're still they're still great venues for um small hall shows because it's ideal for the for the council because they'll get a thousand people in their venue at night and people spending money at the bar, you know, and the promoter gets a good rate. So I can understand why Oldham Leisure Centre's used Robin Park, um, that sort of thing. But never for TV those places. No. Um. Round five, underground stars, boxers who started out in smalls, I'm trying to think of. Josh Warrington comes to mind and, you know, and then eventually became stars because Josh didn't really crack it till, I think he went on a matchroom show. It may have been in the away corner against... Um, I'm here, Moon Emmy. Moon Emmy from Hull. That's yeah. it. Was, that, was that a Commonwealth title fight, John? Um, yeah, he was on the spot. Yeah, I, it was. And as I say, yeah, going back to this Blackpool Winter Gardens, this, Steve's got this good thing going. He's unearthed. Some kids there being trained by Andy Abril. Thomas Vary, who needs a lot of time to develop. Um, but they decided to go with Steve, these kids, instead of looking for a, a big money contract. But they, they, I watched what, one lad make his debut the other night, Levi Barnes. And you know when you watch something, for the first, you just feel this career is just going to be something special. He, he fought Christian Lopez Flores, who, who gives people tough times. Reese Mulder could hardly put a dent in him in eight rounds. This kid hammered him over four rounds. 
And he still wasn't happy with his performance, saying he was too aggressive. This this kid is one of those superstars in the making who we, we've seen on a small hall on a small hall show. I just wondered anyone who, who your favourites you might have who, who's come through from the small halls. I, the other one coming from from that Jimmy is Jake Abrol and Jake Abrol, of course. Yeah, he, really he's seven eight and zero. We just that was a debut. And Jake, of course, missed yeah. out. He's had he hasn't been very well back at he's Christmas. Really um, Turb for Terry, Terry Flanagan. Flanagan. I was talking to Steve Mailer on um, I've lost track of a day. It's Friday, um, and he was telling me about one of Terry's early fights when he was he'd won the English title, and then he said we can get you out again in two weeks. So he went in the away corner two weeks later, and he was the float bout. Um, so the, the shop floor guy, the floor guy was running around saying, Terry, you're going to be on at midnight at this rate. So he, he was eating a protein bar, and the guy came in and said, right, you're going now. So he got the protein bar down, did the guy in, and came up and threw it all up in a bucket in the toilet. And they were the glory <laughs> days of... Um, the glory days of these world championships, he headlining years on. But yeah, Turbo started at the very bottom. Yeah, but I'll be, I bet he's throwing up over his uh, pitch invasion the other week as well now, but there you go. Um, oh, Andy? Yeah, I mean, Warrington's always been my been my go-to for that. Yeah. Um, you know, going away to Dudley and winning his, his English title there. And then, like you said, that uh, Commonwealth title on the matchroom show. And that's when they started to put him at, at home in Hull, but, but uh, in Leeds. But like you say, he's not, he, he, he kind of, in a way, doesn't count because... It took that to happen for him to start selling tickets at home, didn't it? I think really. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Um, someone I'm hearing a lot about from the West Midlands, one of John Pegg's lads, Niall Berry. I don't know if if if, if you fellas have yeah of uh, if um, the great vines been buzzing up. You're aware about him? He's but told me about him. Yeah. About him. Yeah, I've been hearing quite a lot about him. I mean, someone who you know his, his ability level, and he would probably admit himself isn't supersonic necessarily, but Heaney. Yeah, Heaney, Nathan Heaney, like packing out the King's Hall in Stoke, you know, when that video went viral of his ring walk. And that was the point at which promoters started looking at him. But I mean, it's just sell out your local arena. If, if you can get to the point, I'm not trying to make it sound simple. It's really hard. But if you can sell out the, the arena down the end of your street, whatever it might be, even if it's just a youth club, that's where you start. Yeah. You know, you start small and keep going. And it's it's just it's massively impressive when people can do it. Yeah, Levi well, Barnes did... A few Sorry, from the past. We had um, Little Leavers Meet Cleaver Cullen starting yeah, off yeah. at the Bolton Arena. We had Zelfa wearing his Wu-Tang Clan shorts, walking out at Middleton Arena in front of all his mates. Lyndon came on Linden, just after yeah. him. So we've had quite a batch of them come through from the northwest, starting at the, the lowest, lowest level. So it yeah. can, obviously it can be done. And well done, the lads in Blackpool, for realising that rather than just jumping for a big promoter and fighting twice a year. And they, they sold, you mentioned there, Andy, on selling tickets. Levi Barnes did 10 grand's worth of tickets on his debut. And the other debutant did seven grand's worth. And Tyrone Bowen Price's son, he did, uh, God knows, oh, that more than them put together, I think. It was, it was an incredible night in there. And as I say, I know we're on VIP's podcast, very pleased for Steve Wood and everybody, um, you know, works for Steve there. Lee Ogan, the commentators there, Mike and Lee Whitehead. It was good for them because they're at every single VIP show. I skipped the odd one. Now I'm working as a matchmaker to go and watch Fulham play. <laughs> they're there every single show without foul. Well done. To, I'm pleased for you lot uh, more than anybody. Anyway, round six, final round before we let Andy go. Brave team members. I love this one, Andy. 
Yeah, brave team members. It's it's not really um, inspired by what happened between David Adelaide and Fabio Wardley the other day, although that was unfortunate and it did look like Fabio was kind of hit by someone who wasn't David Adelaide. I think I think that's what happened. But what really made me think of it was I was at Usyk Dubois um, in Poland and at the end of the fight, Daniel sat on his stool and he's knackered and he's disappointed and he's he's a little bit buzzed maybe and Don's talking to him and you could just see he's got that look in his eyes where... You know, he doesn't, it's not that he didn't know what was happening, but he was just spent. Uh, and meanwhile, there was this kind of member of Team Usyk. He wasn't one of the corner men. He wasn't a nominated second, because I know who they are. But in an Usyk team tracksuit, standing in the middle of the ring, um, top knot, which I don't really approve of, but, you know, <laughs> a, gentle, a gentleman's grooming is his own decision. And he was just kind of moving from side to side in the middle of the ring, but just staring at Dubois, just making sure that he was just staring at him all the time. And I looked at him and just thought, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know, you weren't fighting. This has got nothing to do with you. And now you're standing in the middle of the ring playing the hard man. And I was just dying for Big Don Charles to turn around and see it. Because if that had happened, this little ferret would have to have run for his <laughs> life. Yeah. Um, and it just really wound me up. It just really wound me up. Um, yeah. You know, if, if you're if you're a team member, shut your mouth. Because you are not getting in there and doing shit. So no one's interested in what you've got to say or do. Yeah. You know what? It's the thing when you told me earlier and he was coming up with this topic. I was thinking when I could remember it all starting, this seemed to start with all the Don King heavyweights in the 90s and all these cheerleaders around Don King. I remember when, you know, Lennox Lewis getting it and someone smashing up a model of London Bridge and throwing it and a China Cup pretending that was British at a Tucker Lewis press conference. This thing, and why has it never been nipped in the bud? Because it's caused problems before in the ring. And why, why does it get away? This Adelaide thing the other day, and I, I'm, well, I was told who it was, but in case I'm wrong, I don't want to say. Um, but, you know, you got that the other night. That fight is likely to be off now. So apparently Oda's cut eye isn't too bad. I'm told the cut under his chin is quite nasty. Um, these people, why... You know, we, we we see these time after time. And why is it always allowed? You know, maybe we're going a bit off topic here, Andy, but why have we always got a million and one people in the ring before fights, after fights, these team members? Because, as you say, it's ridiculous. And it's never, ever been nipped in the bud. Never, ever. Why, why don't the boxers, the boxers know these guys. The boxers, you know, they've probably grown up with them and, I can't think of much more embarrassing than being at a press conference and one of your mates making a right dick of himself, shouting <laughs> at a world-class fight. I, you'd tell them, wouldn't you? It, well, yeah. to be honest, I you don't think, think so. I would have to tell people I know. They just wouldn't act like that. But I think it's people all just trying to... They're probably filming it behind themselves as they do yeah. it just to try to get, <laughs> yeah, get their little 20 seconds of fame on Instagram or TikTok or something. And yeah. the other thing, none of them have got any originality. None of them are like Crocodile, Abby Tyson's mate. If, yeah, if one of them turned up like Crocodile with a real gimmick, then yeah, I'd go for that. But for not, we're just wearing a T-shirt and carrying a phone. It's uh, no originality. It, it, not you impressive. know what? It, it really is. What, it, it, in the people in the ring thing really is a pet hate of mine. It's up there. I've got a lot of pet hates with boxing, but I must do my, my running order for the pod next week. But it's up there when I see managers at a press conference of a boxer who have been a manager for five minutes, well, you shouldn't be saying you've been a manager for 50 years, telling an opponent you're getting knocked spark out. That's my pet hate, I think, in boxing. And these people in the ring is up there with that. But well, that really annoys me as well. 
Come on, going no, off topic you, there. You know, when no, a manager no, it's tells it's... a boxer, I mean, a boxer, you know, you, I remember, you know, some boxers enjoy the press conferences and trying to get a bit of one up and shit, whereas others, like Terry Fanagan, would say, them, they must probably said to you, John, as well, he hated the press conference because oh. when he went face to face, not because he was shy, he saw that as combat. And it weren't the time for it, whereas others see that as part of the combat. But when I hear a manager start saying you're getting knocked out, that really riles me. And I've heard so it from you, a couple of British managers lately. You were working yeah, for the... it, it... Go on, Andy. There's, there's just no need. There's just no need, is there? There's just no need. And I do, I do think as well. And, and this, this, this really is kind of strayed off the topic a bit. But you know, and this is partly influenced by these painful influencers, you know, who are pretending to be fighters and they'll have a roll around at an open workout and all the rest of it. But what people need to understand maybe who are organizing events and maybe managers need to understand this a bit better if they're not that experienced and, and that kind of thing is that, you know, this is not fun and games. So if you let these fellas too near each other in a setting that's not controlled, anything can happen. Yeah. You know, if they get face to face with each other and one of them, does something that the other feels like they need to reply to, then anything could happen. Like there's no point thinking, oh well, they won't do this because it's a press conference. A line gets crossed and all bets are off. And I yeah, think some exactly. people don't really seem to understand that. You you, you don't. It's it. It was coming, wasn't it? That kind of thing that happened with with Adelaide Warding, not between them two necessarily, but just generally, I felt like something like that was going to happen sooner or later. Yeah, Dave, you were working for the tabloids when when Tyson was there. Did you ever meet Crocodile? Yeah, uh, so I met him through Bunchy. Steve Fitch, he was good as gold, and we, you know what? A couple. I, I think I went out once for a drink with him with Steve, and um, Steve, <laughs> of course Steve, you did. A couple times went to Vegas. Steve went out with him. Bunchy went out with him a few times. Steve's the one to give you the Crocodile anecdotes. And I remember, oh, what? Oh, just coming back now. You need to speak to Bunchy when you see him, John. There was one crocodile. I think he become a father quite late in life. And you'll see him holding his baby. And it was just some normal guy who just loved his baby. Not this guy sucking, threatening to kill the world, dressed in a Velcro bow tie and everything with a fun, with a with a fake shirt. Brilliant. As you say, crocodile had that bit of originality. Um, you know, you know, you know, where is it? It's this time, that time. He was good. Some of them were good, you know. Um, Stacy McKinley with a trainer, he was quite good value when he'd do it. He'd really, he used to, you know, because he was always behind the, with the Don King fight as fighting Lewis, and he was really, really good. And he'd say to, to Kelly Maloney, um, because uh, at a pub, you sh what are you doing here? You should be on the ramp in your bar and all that, and this sort of thing. It was good, and you know, Frank would be doing his pieces, get back to the ramp, Maloney, and all that. I, Pour me a beer. <laughs> I remember in, in, in my old days. Went over to Las Vegas to watch Roy Jones fight John Ruiz and sneaked into the weigh-in by ducking down one corridor and lying to somebody else. And eventually we got right in the, the depths of the press conference and the weigh-in and all this with the Jones and Ruiz. And Norman Stone was an absolute maniac. Lunatic. He was over yeah. here a lot, yeah. Norman Stone really, he, he was, well, he was John Ruiz's mouth, wasn't he? Yeah. He did every bit of talking and he talked John Ruiz into some terrible situations. Yeah. Poor Norman. John couldn't fight himself Stoney. out or something, could he? Stoney, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Maloney used to really have like, a hard time with him, you know. <laughs> Said he weren't a bad fella when he was away from all that, but the, the, the damage he caused with his mouth. Funnily enough, we... At that press conference, Norman Stone said something to Alter Murkison, and it was the Alter Murkison, Roy Jones, yeah. was trying to put one on him and nearly knocked him out at the weigh-in. 
we had, we had to take him out on a stretcher. <laughs> and Alton Murkison did an interview on HBO with his arm around my shoulder. I must try and find that. It's, it's, it's funny. I know we haven't got much time, but it's funny, you know, but I kind of, I'm not, I don't want this to come out the wrong way, but I, I kind of like situations and characters where there are consequences for your actions. Yeah. So if you decide you're going to say something and the other person doesn't like it, something might happen. Something, yeah. something, something might happen. You yeah. know, if you behave yourself, then then you're going to be fine. But there's a lot of people wandering around now, and I'm not saying I would ever do this. I'm not a tough guy, but there are yeah. a lot of people wandering around now who feel like they can say whatever they want, it's, it's and that there not, won't be any consequences. There should be consequences. And you said that with Norman Stone, that you know, it was, it was an incredible mouthpiece. And Stoney, then people around Roy Jones that time, more <laughs> Murkison and the rest of those guys from Florida, them, them Florida oh, guys. Yeah, they were serious them. men. Serious, yeah. serious men, not to be messed with. And that was the sort of fellas who won't think twice of laying anybody out if you said the wrong thing. But there you yeah, go. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. No. <laughs> like straight. Andy says, a lot of these guys, a lot of these influencers have got no idea just how hard these people are. Yeah. No I idea. don't think they have. No, no they haven't. They, they might move haven't. around with a mate who's another influencer in the gym and realise, oh, he's a good boxer, but we don't get hurt. They've got no idea. Imagine if one of them said something to Josh Taylor, like we said before. Ooh. My God. At that, at that AJ show the other week or a few weeks ago, um, KSI was there. I, I've got, I mean, I've got no problem with him. You know, he, he's playing a part. He's, he's a great kind of actor, basically. But you know, I mean, he's he's a nice enough guy. But McGregor was there. Um, you know, on one and. Um, KSI was terrified of him. You could you could see it because <laughs> yeah. that's not his world, is it? That's no, not his world. Not. I remember getting KSI as he was starting to make waves. Um, he went to a your call show. Just we're running out of what, two minutes left. I mean, he 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 got he, he knew Frank Buglioni quite well. I'm not sure if they were friends, but they had some sort of company working with him commercially and all that. And uh, the guy um introduced me to KSI. I was there at Box Nation. Bearing in mind, I'm in my fifties. I've never heard of the guy. She goes, this is KSI, he's a YouTuber. I said, um, oh, my, um, never heard your name. My daughters are into all that sort of stuff. It was just starting out. So he turned around and, and um, <laughs> these mates said to him, oh, they must know him. He's got 600,000 followers is what he had at the time, which is nothing to what he is now. I guess it was still a hell of a lot seven, eight years ago. And you know what? He was a really sweet, nice fella. I liked him, and so I got I had no, you know, I, I'll see him. I don't think he's the worst fella in the world at all. ASI. But yeah, like Andy says, he doesn't want to be messing with McGregor because say what, think what you like about oh, Conor McGregor, but he's as real as it gets, isn't he? You know, McGregor's a hard case, but McGregor, they just they operate on a different level. Yeah, McGregor with a few beers in him, mate, as well. <laughs> anyway. Oh God, yeah, to be avoided. <laughs> yeah, fellas. Really appreciate your time, especially Andy, tonight for coming on. We'll get you on again in a few months. Enjoy the tournament in Telford on Saturday. And I hope it works because um, not just, you know, to give exposure to those guys, they're getting paid pretty well for four rounds on Saturday, which makes it even better. And you can only hope it's success because it's going to help them financially. John, thanks as always for coming on. Thanks, everyone, for watching or listening. This has been VIP Boxing's Bell to Bell podcast. For all boxing. Info, news and latest interviews, amateur and pro, across and off, click and subscribe. VIP, boxing promotions. Also, Twitter, Instagram and Facebook.